0: Hello and welcome to this episode of The Unnoticed Entrepreneur with me, Jim James. Today we're going to Tbilisi in Georgia, actually to talk to Yoram Bean, who's originally from Israel, but now he and his wife have moved to Georgia. And he had a very large drop shipping business that was destroyed overnight by the iOS update. So we're going to talk to him about how he's pivoted and how he is a growth hacker. He's going to show us some and explain how we can use some free tools to build automation for our businesses. And he's going to identify the difference between defensive and offensive automation, a term that I'd never heard before, which is really, really interesting and will make a difference to how you approach automation. And we're also going to talk about the one thing he doesn't recommend that you do when it comes to growth hacking your business. You're on, Bean, welcome to the
1: show. Thank you so much, Jim. I'm very excited to be here.
0: Well look it's great to have you on the show you have built one very large drop shipping business and as an entrepreneur you've had to pivot and rebuild kind of almost overnight a real example of how the platform can be in control of your business so you're on just tell us a little bit about what happened and how you managed to rebuild your business um and then we can take it from
1: there for sure. Awesome. Great. I'll give you a bit of context. Um, so you can tell based on my access that I'm Israeli. And uh, uh, while I was serving in the special forces in Israel, I I think I realized that I don't want to have any bosses, any commanders or any people walking next to me or beside me. So this is a, was the a first realization towards my journey as an entrepreneur. And I studied in the university and eventually I started working in a media buying agency in Tel Aviv. I was spending approximately $1 million on a monthly basis for this uh, agency. and But I didn't have an upside nor a downside. So I just kept on going. And luckily, I met a friend of mine uh, in a bar in Tel Aviv for a beer. And he showed me a screenshot of his Shopify store. And he told me that he was making money online. And I was shocked because... At till that point in time, I thought that dropshipping was just something that gurus sell like horses, but nobody's really making profits from it. So but it was a child friend of mine. So the morning after, my wife and I we built a store, and the same evening we got a first sale and we realized, whoa, we can make money online. And this was uh, pretty shocking and also beginner's luck. Uh, Long story short, after two years, we both quit our jobs and we embarked on a journey as digital nomads while we were uh, operating this store. And we sold more than $4 million uh, revenue uh, until the iOS update. And the iOS update, which happened uh, approximately in 2021 or 2022, basically changed uh, a lot. Uh, Apple introduced a lot of new privacy regulations which changed the way the Facebook algorithm functioned. And since we were operating in very slight margins, but very low volumes, it made us irrelevant. So we had to decide whether we want to rebrand or do we want to, you know, keep on losing money or quit and seek a different alternative. And this is what we did. We pivoted away from the store. And uh, since then, we've been focusing, I mean, I've been focusing mainly on, on running automations and trying to solve problems with code instead of capital.
0: You're on, you know, well done. And congratulations on, on turning around so quickly. Yes, it's, uh, you know, it's interesting how these platforms, if they change their algorithms, lives yeah. change. It's really why being in control of your own brand and your own sort of customer um, mm-hmm. Lists and so on is so important. You raise the issues of automation, you know, and for more and more people, time is about automating tasks that they can either, you know, some can be delegated, some can be outsourced, some can be deleted. But those that we have to keep and that we don't want to outsource, we need to automate. What's your approach? And you, you've, you've, you know, shared with me before we started recording. Offense and defensive automation, I've never heard that expression before. So I'd love for you to explain what those mean and the implications for my fellow unnoticed entrepreneurs.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I I think I I coined this term, Uh, usually I don't attribute anything to me because all of my thoughts are like a derivative of someone wiser than me. But in this case, I think I, I, I coined this term. And defensive automations versus offensive automations. And what do I mean by that? Defensive automations, normally when when you say automations, the first thing that comes to mind is Zapier or Integromat or Make. This is what everybody knows. And these tools are great. And they are just basically API connectors. And I've used them as streamliners. They usually help you save time. So let's say you want to automate Sending the invoice from your mailbox to your bookkeeper, or you want to automate sending a lead to your CRM and sending, a, I don't know, a welcome message. So these are defensive automations. They just they mostly save time. While on the other hand, what I view as offensive automations are revenue generating processes that you automate. So, for example, you scrape a list of prospects and then you can go ahead and like the recent post on a specific platform, let's say Facebook, and after three days, you can send them a DM automatically. And so this is, this is a revenue-generating process in opposing to just something that streamlines and saves you time.
0: You're on. let's just talk about the, let's call them offensive or, or maybe proactive um, offensive, you know, in some circles has, has a different meaning um with these offensive um and proactive automations f- first up you talk about scraping information uh, just let's a- address the privacy issue because there isn't there is a sort of implication that you're taking information that isn't being readily shared how how do you address that issue
1: sure so there are many things to to keep in mind when you do this uh these automations, when you run these automations, and every platform has the terms and conditions, and many platforms also enforce and limit the amount of automation that you can do. So, for example, in LinkedIn, whatever you do, you can't even send more than 100 DMs daily. Uh, same goes with Facebook, you can't send over a certain amount of friend requests. So, uh, you are limited by the platform, and you should know the terms and conditions. But as long as you respect the terms and conditions, there are many things that you can still do within the boundaries that you wouldn't do manually because it takes a ton of effort and time. But you can automate, and this is the way. This is the this is my landscape where I play in between the boundaries.
0: Okay, yeah. So there's a sweet spot, isn't there, between you know Mm -hmm. what it's allowed. It's just that the economic reward from doing it manually isn't great enough. But if you automate it at scale, then it can be. Can you give us an example, Yaron, of one that you've done that would yeah, help for sure. people to understand?
1: Yeah, and and I just want to uh, maybe correct myself. I didn't so I didn't say it's necessarily allowed, but it's not disallowed. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> <laughs> for the lawyers out there listening, it's, it's a fine line uh, because still hacking. Um, you know this. Uh, there is a, a lecture by Dan Kennedy, and he says all business is opportunistic and i do like playing by the rules but still whenever you can exploit to a certain extent i think you should because this is where the opportunity lies so one clarification
0: yeah Yeah, and i think as long as we clarify we're not exploiting the people right we're just seeing the systems and the opportunities to use what's there for most effect right so um, so you right. have you got an example that you could share with us?
1: Yeah, for sure. So for example, um, I want back in the days I wanted to appear on more uh, podcasts as a guest. So I started setting, um, like pitching hosts uh, manually and it was tedious and it was boring and it didn't produce the results that I wanted. And since I'm a big believer in volume, I thought, okay, how can I put more volume into this? So what I did, I went to a directory of podcasters. I uh, scraped their the show notes and the information regarding the show. I put it in an expre- Excel spreadsheet. And basically, I used ChatGPT in order to generate a personalized outreach for me using like my expertise. But it was also personalized based on what the show is about. So let's say I was reaching out to you. Automatically, ChatGPT would spit out content that would make you feel as if I read and uh, know stuff about your show. And this way, I was able to send out within one click, a thousand DMs and like 300 people answered me. And this allowed me to be a guest on more shows uh, that I could have been if I did it manually.
0: You're on. That's amazing. The only danger then, of course, is you've got to be able to respond to all of those inquiries, haven't you? So, does that lead to another automation, which is the response to those people that have said, you know, variously yes, no, maybe, because, you know, we don't necessarily get a binary response, do we? Mm-hmm. How do you handle that?
1: This is a great question, and it really depends what is on the line. Uh, in this case, it was my reputation which was on the line, so I didn't want to automate the response because, you know, ChatGPT sometimes produces a, a funky output, <laughs> which isn't necessarily your tone of voice. So I preferred um, having myself or a personal assistant to mine respond to the people, but still, uh, it's after I got the responses, which were an amount which was manageable, you know. Um, So this is one solution. And if it wasn't my own reputation on the line, I might have thought of creating some sort of an automation for responding, but not in this case.
0: Okay. So um, just tell us then, which tool are you using? Because most people you're on are not hackers. Most of us are you know, doing our best to serve the clients or doing some marketing, but you're at another level. Is it very complicated?
1: Uh, is it very expensive to use these tools? Just help us to understand
0: where people can access
1: this. Sure. but This is a great question because actually uh, I'm using a free tool by Microsoft, which is called Microsoft Power Automate Desktop. And it's such an amazing tool. And I don't know how, how come not everybody is using it because, as I said, it's free and Microsoft keeps on updating and adjusting it uh, based on like the needs of the, of the clients, of the customer base. And it's a drag and drop tool. It looks like Zapier to an extent. And you don't need, in order to do like simple stuff, you don't need to be like a coder. Uh, you don't need any, there is no steep learning curve. You can pretty much get up and running within two or three hours. I start doing basic stuff, which will save you a ton of time at the get go, so definitely recommend Microsoft Power automate desktop
0: that's very, very interesting, and that's presumably uh well, it is a free to use mm-hmm. tool in terms of automation with your experience here on being, are there some mistakes that you see people making, in other words? They are quite possibly damaging their business by using automation because it's not a panacea, is it? just because you automate it and you reference that a little bit that maybe ChatGPT sends information that isn't your tone of voice. What dangers do you see with automation you're on?
1: We'll be back after
0: a quick break. Would you like to double your salary without starting another business? The easy way to do this is to join the board of another company. You get well paid for a part-time role. You get all the credibility that comes with being a board member. Plus, you get to hang out with some very cool people and learn how other businesses are dealing with their problems. If you'd like to know more, if you'd like to learn how you get your first board seat within 60 days, just click on the link below as uh, Unnoticed is a gold sponsor of our summit. So you get free tickets. Enjoy. I'll see you there.
1: There are a few. First of all, some people, I myself must admit that I, I'm doing this mistake often. When you fall in love with automating stuff, <laughs> you you focus often on the engineering side and you focus on the automations and you sometimes you waste a lot of time on trying to automate to the T instead of just understanding that nothing can be automated 100%. And it's a process that you constantly need to optimize. So this is a misconception that I used to have, as a lot of people who automate still have, that it's not as if you once you automate it, you have solved the thing. You need to constantly, it does save you time, it can produce money, but you need to constantly manage it. So it's like a very uh, compliant and effective worker. It's not as if it's a set and forget.
0: That's a very, very good point then, that it's not set and forget. And presumably, tasks have to be of a certain magnitude to warrant the effort to automate. Any guidance on that as well, Yaron? I mean, at what stage is it quicker just to write the email yourself, for example, than to get it into
1: ChatGPT and get it to, get it to do exactly. it for you? Exactly. So I, I think, and, and this also relates to, to another common mistake, is some people, they try to automate before they have nailed down the process. So you need to understand the complete logic from A to Z and do these things manually at least a few times. And then you just translate it to an automated process. But sometimes people, because they fell in love with the automation or they feel that they can do something very effectively and efficiently, they don't even, and I also did this mistake very often, you run into creating the automation without completely understanding the logic and the process that needs to happen in the real world. And only after that, you can build. And this relates to your question. If you don't need, if you didn't do the the process many times uh, manually and you don't completely understand, so there's no point, in my opinion, to start automating this because if you don't do it frequently or it doesn't have a lot of impact, why automate it? Because automating takes time and effort.
0: So then you might as well just, for example, have a, a virtual assistant somewhere mm-hmm. in the world that, that does those things for you at five to ten dollars an hour instead you're on exactly Now you've had to pivot um, from a large drop shipping now you've repositioned yourself um, in the as a growth hacker, right mm-hmm. Tell us as an entrepreneur you're on how have you been doing? That how have you been repositioning yourself and getting a really a different kind of client? Because drop shipping presumably is almost anonymous. You're really arbitraging, aren't you, between goods being mm-hmm. sold before they're bought? Um, and now you're actually dealing with clients. How are you managing to, to rebrand and reposition yourself?
1: This is a great question, and and actually one of my learnings from the drop shipping and the fact that it uh, eventually. Didn't turn out the way I wanted it to be was the fact that I was an anonymous and I, I love being anonymous. It's great. But still, if you want to create a capital or you want to succeed financially, I don't think it's the way to go. So we should. I mean, I realized that I need to compromise my privacy. Uh, If I want to get paid, (laughs) as simple as that. So uh, since my face wasn't attached to the dropshipping business, I don't, I didn't build an asset. It was a cash machine. And now what I'm doing is I'm creating a brand that revolves around me, myself as a human being, as a persona, professional. um, And I believe this asset will go with me until the grave. Or if, I don't know, or beyond. <laughs> so yeah. this is that's right, you may live in perpetuity, Honor. <laughs> exactly. You could be automating,
0: you know, your life. So even when you're <laughs> gone, there'll be messages going out by automation. <laughs> so how have you been doing that, Yaron? that That's great. So recognizing that anonymity can lead really to a fairly perilous position, especially mm-hmm. as the platforms can just decide that you're no longer... Mm-hmm allowed to play so having a personality having a brand having a presence really Mm -hmm. key how are you doing that how are you establishing yourself
1: so um i have a podcast in which i interview uh, thought leaders and marketers and e-commerce store owners and i have a youtube channel and do networking i mean the basic stuff i would say and I also try to enhance all of these efforts with automations, um, which we discussed before our call. And I mentioned a few like during this conversation, but I, I do many automations just to enhance my reach. Uh,
0: yeah, and you can really scale yourself out there. Just mm-hmm. to give us an idea of the frequency of content creation, because you may be automating that year-on, but it'd be useful to get an idea of... Your posting frequency and posting content.
1: So I I wouldn't say it's so frequent uh, lately because I've been working on on other big projects. So now I would love to go back to having like a structured and well scheduled uh, uh, you know something more frequent. But I used to try to do like this podcast every every other week. Like having being being a host on my podcast. YouTube channel uh, was. I'm planning to like revamp the YouTube channel and upload content which revolves about automation around automations and stuff that I'm doing. Um, yeah. So there is no like defined frequency. It's more like whenever I feel like it because I'm also creating money and generating stuff on the back end. So, um, I don't, I didn't make it like my goal building this brand. It's mostly something like it goes while I'm growing as a personal, like as a person and an entrepreneur.
0: Okay, that's wonderful, Yaron. So, Yaron, Bean, if there's one thing that you would share that does work as an entrepreneur for building a brand and for building a business, what would you share with my fellow unnoticed entrepreneurs that that would be a great takeaway for them?
1: Yeah, so. In one of my podcasts, I, I asked someone—I I don't remember the guests, unfortunately—and I asked them what was the key to, to doing better marketing. And they said something that stuck into my in my mind. And they said, "If you're not over delivering, you have no business." And I—it really like clicked because when we had this dropshipping business, we were generating cash. And we were acquiring customers all the time, but we never over delivered so we tried to fix you know the campaigns by optimizing doing tactical stuff, but we never over delivered so an over delivery is is the thing that creates loyalty, creates lifetime value it cre- it creates a business it creates the asset so if you're not over delivering and trying to fix other stuff you're you're basically building on on quicksand, so you need to fix the fundamentals. So I think this is the most important piece of advice I ever got.
0: You're on pin. I love that. I love that. Of course, over delivering um, is something that you can, I guess, attempt to automate. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, there has to be the passion, doesn't there, and the and the desire to serve your clients that motivates the over delivering. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just delivering enough to get paid, and that's See, not that. enough to generate any kind of loyalty or Agreed. brand value if you're have people want to find out more about you and your amazing automation skills and other tools that you're building how can they do that
1: um, sure so i'm mostly active on linkedin um the last few months i wasn't so active since the war started so i kind of don't know how to position my post <laughs> within yeah. all this noise but uh, generally speaking i'm mostly active on linkedin Okay, and that's
0: at uh your bean right that's b double e n as opposed Correct. to mr bean. It's actually b double e yeah. as in having been there seen that euron mm-hmm. bean thanks for joining me on the unnoticed entrepreneur show today
1: it was my pleasure, thank you so much jim.
0: It's been wonderful, so we've been to Georgia to meet your bean and you know amazing I keep getting surprised and stunned at what people are doing in their own worlds and their own markets. So that's one of the lessons for me is to always be curious and always be exploring. So I was very glad to receive Euron's, you know, request to come on the show. And now I realize it was actually sent by ChatGPT. So I'm still, I'm still delighted he's come on the show, but now I know his secret. Um, So automation. Uh, One of the key points that he's made is work the workflow first, do it multiple times. offline manually before taking the time to try and automate it because automation without a system can really be detrimental to your business. And we've also talked about the difference between defensive and offensive automation. I think it's a lovely, lovely distinction and one that I'll be carrying forward. So credit to Yaron for that. And I think he didn't automate that. I think he actually generated that (laughs) himself. So wonderful. Thank you for joining me, Jim James, on this episode of The Unnoticed Entrepreneur. I really hope you've enjoyed it. Do please leave a review for the show because it really helps and to follow the show because I don't want you to miss out on another episode. And the guess I get, you can't automate. They're all real people, real entrepreneurs sharing real ways to grow your business. Thank you for listening. Until we meet again, keep on communicating.